Welcome back to another episode of Win Championship Repeat Boston Sports Podcast. And on this week's episode, we are going to be looking at the Boston Celtics' road to the playoffs, uh, who is going to be their matchup, and what potential teams could be facing off against them. And more so, looking at uh, which uh, teams uh, would make uh, better to play against um, as the seven seed matchup with the two seed. And then we're going to look at some potential wide receiver draft news that happened uh, last week that could impact the Patriots and the draft and who they go for in the first round. So let's uh, let's get started and let's go from there. So the Boston Celtics are the two seed. This is official. The season has ended. They ended up defeating the Atlanta Hawks uh, and it was a great game. And they ended up getting that solidified two spot. And so the playoff race, as it sits right now, is Milwaukee as the number one. And Boston is sitting at number two. Then we have um, the number three seed Philadelphia 76ers. We have the number four seed Cleveland Cavaliers. New York Knicks are the five seed. The number six seed is the Brooklyn Nets. And then we have play-in games, which will be uh, coming um, uh, soon, just to figure out the rest of everything. So, technically, the Eastern Conference play-in, Chicago, Toronto, Atlanta, Miami. So, Miami is technically um, the 7. And then there is uh, Atlanta, Toronto, and Chicago in this one. And so... Basically, I guess the way this is going to work is we are going to play the winner of the Miami-Atlanta game, and then the Milwaukee Bucks are going to play the winner of whoever beats uh, Chicago-Toronto, whoever comes out on top, and the loser of the Miami-Atlanta game is going to play the winner of Toronto-Chicago, and whoever comes out of that is our eighth seed. So we cannot play Toronto, we cannot play Chicago, but what we can play is Miami versus Atlanta. Those two teams we can actually have a shot at playing against. And so the question becomes, which one is better for the uh, Boston Celtics to play? Now, looking at the Atlanta Hawks, they obviously lost most recently to uh, the Celtics. And they lost um, in a 134-125 game uh, a little while ago and then uh, just in general looking at the season they lost uh, November 16th to Boston um, and they uh, you know lost um, if you go all the way down March 11th to Boston and then Sunday April 9th so it looks like they only played them three times um, if uh, I'm not mistaken and uh, they ended up losing all three uh, which that bodes well for uh, the Celtics for sure, because they, uh, you know, are a team that, um, you know, they got a, you know, one, two, three on them. So that's pretty good. Now, switching to Miami, it might be a totally different story. So when it comes to the Miami versus um, Boston Celtics sort of thing, uh, they lost October 21st to the Boston Celtics. They ended up losing back uh, in November 30th, and they won December 2nd. So those were the uh, 
back-to-back games for them, and they won and lost one. So they only played uh, those three right there. And then January 24th, they got a victory over the Celtics in that one. So it was a split series. So if you're a Celtics fan looking at that, you'd say, okay, we want to play Atlanta because Atlanta has no wins against us this season. And the Celtics uh, split with um, the uh, Miami Heat. Again, that's what a Celtics fan would probably be saying. Now, you kind of want to look also at Miami and uh, potentially how the Hawks could do against Milwaukee um, and how that could uh, pair out um, in terms of what they might have to deal with. So if you look at um, their series uh, against um, Milwaukee, they ended up beating uh, Milwaukee twice uh, in a row. Then they lost February 4th. And then uh, February 24th, was Big L. Um, so they were split series there uh, in terms of Miami. And Atlanta was a split series there. So ideally, we would want to play, in my opinion, Atlanta because we swept them in all of our meetings. And we would want Miami to play against Milwaukee because Miami actually uh, split the series, as did Atlanta. But um, it's an easier matchup against Atlanta for us. And so um, the hope is that Atlanta can beat Miami in that game, and then we can end up getting, um, you know, that uh, uh, victory against Atlanta. I mean, I don't think we'd lose in a seven-game series to either team because Miami is gassed just based on the fact that they are very uh, old in comparison um, of just the things of it all. And so the first round of the playoffs begins on Saturday for the Celtics. So uh, it's definitely going to be interesting to see who they end up playing. Uh, Jalen Brown ended up hurting his hand and apparently says he'll be ready to go for the first game, which is important. Um, I'm pretty sure against um, the uh, Atlanta Hawks when they played, Boston had a lot of players out. Um, If you look at the, the box score of it, um, the Celtics, um, they had Sam Hauser, Mike Muscala, Blake Griffin, Derek White, and Peyton Pritchard were your starters. You had J.D. Davidson, uh, Luke Cornett, Grant Williams, and Justin Champeggi, and Mafondu Kabengale. So there were a lot of injuries. Um, Sam Hauser played 38 minutes. Muscala played 33 minutes. Uh, Derek White only played 5 minutes. Uh, Peyton Pritchard played 45. Obviously, you don't want to you know, get your important players injured so that's why Derek White probably didn't play more than his number Grant Williams only played five minutes again you don't want to get your guys um, injured at all and so you know you just want to stick with what you got Um, Sam Hauser had 26 points Mike Muscala had 27 points Uh, Peyton Pritchard had 30 points 11 assists and 14 rebounds which um, I was seeing a stat on that um, and that is in company with if I'm not mistaken, John Havlicek and Larry Bird for those numbers. So that's uh, that's something else that's uh, very good. Um, so uh, I also saw this article about uh, how the Portland Trailblazers' piss-poor season helps with the NBA draft for the Celtics. They don't have a first-round pick, uh, thanks to, the, um, if I'm not mistaken, the Brogdon trade. Um, but what they do have is a second-round, I think it's from Portland, um, and it's going to be top 35. Um, so, uh, that's kind of 
where the Celtics are. Um, the Rockets ended up winning Sunday, so the Celtics have a 50-50 chance at landing pick number 33. Um, so that is um, where the Celtics could end up with this Portland pick. Um, and, uh, you know, the Celtics have to wait and see if they receive number 33 uh, and the lottery unfolds because of San Antonio, Houston, whatever. So essentially, I'm reading this on MassLive.com. Essentially, if the Rockets finish higher in the draft order than San Antonio um, and uh, the worst second round pick uh, they get is 33, which then they would send it to Boston. If the Spurs end up high in the lottery, the Rockets get the better second round pick, number 32, and the Celtics get shut out since that pick is top 32 protected. Um, so uh, it could be very interesting. Um, so uh, the Celtics also own the 2023 uh, second round pick from the Blazers. Uh, this was um, something else, I guess. Um, you know, they have a 50-50 chance at 33, but that's not the Portland pick. They have Portland's pick um, at number 35 or better because the Celtics uh, acquired that in August 2021 in a deal where they sent Tristan Thompson uh, to the Kings. Um, and uh, how they got a second round pick out of that, who knows? Um, but Brad Stevens made it work out. So the Celtics could give a potential top 35 pick from that Portland one. Uh, Celtics will pick at least 35 or higher in this year's draft. A Portland pick could still be sent to Oklahoma City to complete the Mike Muscala trade. But that only happens if the Celtics get the number 33 overall pick from Houston. Essentially, the Celtics have to send their worst 2023 second round pick to OKC uh, with the Muscala deal. So if they get 33 from uh, Houston, then this one from Portland goes to OKC. This is uh, turning out to to be pretty good for the Celtics in that regard, especially seeing as they don't have a first-round pick now. Um, there is a very good chance that if they get 33, you know, the Celtics could, in theory, end up with a pick that's only three, four, five picks lower than where they could have been in the first round anyways. So it wasn't, um, you know, it's not a big deal that they don't have a first round pick this year because they have these second round picks, one of which they'll be getting. And, you know, it's um, an interesting uh, turn of events, um, how there is a very good chance that they could, um, you know, end up with a uh, close to first round pick and not have their own. And we got Malcolm Brogdon. So that's um, that's cool. So pretty good. Uh, now I want to take a second and look at something involving the New England Patriots, specifically involving a Patriots potential draft choice and how history could be repeating itself um, when it comes to uh, the whole... Um, draft and moves and whatnot so uh let's get started um with this so the patriots last week um brought uh zay flowers in for more than just a meeting apparently from what i was uh hearing they were planning to uh bring him in and have him meet with the team and meet with Bill O'Brien and go over schemes and plays and whatnot. So it's more than just meeting and talking. It sounds like they want to actually get some, some workouts in and they want to show him what's going on. Now, this is very interesting because this is something that the Patriots have done in the past with other guys. Uh, 
I was actually looking on Reddit and I saw this. Um, they uh, have done this before. Marcus, Jack Jones, and Bailey Zappi last year were all guys who came in just like uh, Zay Flowers. 2019, Joe Juwan Williams, Nikhil Harry, Jared Stidham, Tres Hall. 2020, Michael Iwanu, Josh Uchi. 2021, Mac Jones, Christian Barmore. So the Patriots have met with, in the past, players that they have drafted on this sort of level. Not saying that it's 100% a foregone conclusion that Zay Flowers is coming to New England. But what I will say is that it seems like it's very likely that because of this, he is going to be joining this team. Also because of the fact that of the sort of wide receivers on the market, he is two or three, maybe. A lot of people are getting behind uh, Jackson Smith and Jeeba as the number one wide receiver in this draft. And many peg him as a draft choice somewhere in the 11 to 12 to 14, 15 range. Um, and a lot of people have Quinn and Johnson and Zay Flowers as two and three in some order, depending on what you're looking for in a player. And I think Zay Flowers has more of the speed factor and Quinn and Johnson has more potential to be greater. Um, but I think for the Patriots, offensive tackles, the top three are off the board. And there's no offensive tackles out there to me outside of the top three that makes sense at 14. And the cornerbacks, I think Christian Gonzalez and um, Davon Witherspoon are both going to be off the board by the time we're picking at 14. So they could go for Joey Porter Jr. or they could just go for a wide receiver, which wide receiver is very important. And so it seems like the wide receiver position is going to go to Zay Flowers. Now, that could be Zay Flowers at 14 because the Patriots feel like, well, they want to get a wide receiver before he's taken. This could be uh, Zay Flowers at 20 or 21 or 24 if they feel like they can get him much uh, later in the draft. And so it is a situation where the Patriots um, could end up with a top-tier wide receiver like Zay Flowers, and the fact that he's meeting with this team kind of makes me think that there's a, a pretty good chance this guy uh, could be our guy at uh, number uh, 14 or somewhere else in the draft. And I think, you know, there are so many other great players out there, so many other, you know, great talents that they could try and fill needs with. But I just think at the end of the day, wide receivers, one of the more important ones, and so they have to kind of hit that... Um, as best they can and uh, I think going in the uh, first round for a wide receiver um, especially one like Zay Flowers is uh, exactly where I think they're going to go um, because of the fact that it's important for them to, to build weapons around Mac Jones and if you can't do that then you're not going to succeed in the NFL. So I want to kind of give you a general kind of overview of what I think is going to kind of take place. Um, I think the Patriots are probably going to, you know, in the next few weeks before the draft, kind of look at all their options and see who's out there. And my guess is they have so many different scenarios because there's 13 picks that come before them and they don't know what is coming from 1 to 13. So they have a plan in place, I'm sure, of what they expect the mock draft to look like. So their thoughts on, well, this is who's going to go one, this is gonna, who's going to go two, three, four. You know what I mean? 
And so I don't know if that's how it's going to shake up, but that's the general game plan. And then you adjust based on how it actually goes. And I'm sure there are mock drafts that they have where, you know, Jackson Smith Najiba goes in the top or one of the tackles slips out of the top 13. And, you know, I think those are kind of the, um, you know, outside the box type, uh, you know, situations that could take place. And I'm sure there's all sorts of different scenarios that they go over. Now, I want to kind of take a second and talk about what I think the potential number three overall pick getting traded could mean for um, the uh, Patriots in terms of draft picks and guys on the board and off the board. So there are a lot of reports that the Cardinals at three are potentially looking to move down to acquire more draft assets. And I was listening to Sirius NFL Radio, and they were talking about it, and uh, one of the, the guys thought um, it was best to hold on to the third pick because, you know, if you get Will Anderson, he's potentially the number one uh, defensive player, number one player in this draft. And then the other guy was talking about how you need everything, so trading down and getting more picks is more important. So at the end of the day, to me, it makes a lot of sense if you're a team that's really kind of struggling to go and get as much as you can out of out of this situation, especially because they don't need a quarterback. You know, they have Kyler Murray. So it's not like staying at three, you need a quarterback. There is going to be probably one or two teams that pay way more than they should for a quarterback and way more than they should to move up to three. And that's what you're going to get is somebody who wants to leapfrog the Colts, take their choice of uh, Will Levis or uh, Anthony Richardson, because we all know C.J. Stroud and... Um, Bryce Young are going 1-2 in some form. And so for the Patriots, you know, this could mean that the Cardinals will move all the way back to 11 with Tennessee. They could end up moving back uh, to 7 with the, the Raiders. Uh, they could be moving back to 8 with uh, the Falcons. They could be moving to 16 with uh, Washington. They could be moving to 19 with Tampa Bay. They could be moving... Um, all over the board. And so in the case of any draft pick higher than where the Patriots are, most likely they're going to go for a defensive player here. And most likely they're going to go with a corner, whether that's uh, Christian Gonzalez, Witherspoon, Joey Porter Jr., or an edge such as Miles Murphy or Lucas Van Ness or one of those guys. And so if the Patriots are interested in going offense, whether that be offensive tackle or a wide receiver, then you're fine because I don't think they're going for either of those unless they feel like, you know, a wide receiver is important. But they have Marquise Brown and DeAndre Hopkins for the time being. They're not going for a wide receiver. So they're going defense. So if you wanted a corner, that's probably going to be one corner guy off the board. And that means that Patriots will have one less corner they can pick with. And I honestly feel like corner is just so deep. You can get one in the second, third round and still get great talent out of that. So I don't think they should go for one in the first round, as I also think most of them will be at least the top three. Two of the top three will be off the board for sure. And one of them, yeah, who knows where Joey Porter Jr. goes. He could go top 10. He could go um, more than likely to like the Steelers or Washington at 16 and 17. Um, and, uh, you know, I think it's probably going to change the, the landscape of things because the Cardinals at 11 could take Joey Porter Jr. If uh, Witherspoon's off the board, if Gonzalez is off the board, they could go for one of those guys.
And if they're not there, then they have to go for the third best option, which is Joey Porter Jr. So there is a very uh, re real reality that if the Cardinals move down to 11 to snag themselves a Tennessee Titans pick, that three top tackles and three top corners could be off the board, and the Patriots are left with wide receiver as a big need position. And so that might actually benefit the Patriots because there is a chance, at least in my opinion, that Tennessee could have went for a wide receiver, and they say, okay, we have our quarterbacks, let's go for a wide receiver in the first round. It's a possibility. Uh, but if Tennessee moves up because they want a quarterback, that's going to change the ball game. You know, I don't think the Raiders are going to go for a quarterback because I think Jimmy G is going to get them through another year or two. And I think they're going to go defense because they need defense. And I think their offense is fine. I think, you know, depending on sort of where uh, they feel in Atlanta with um, their quarterback situation, Desmond Ritter, maybe they steer clear of that and they go with defense, like a Lucas Van Ness or a Miles Murphy um, or a corner or something. So the Patriots, um, you know, it's going to benefit them in a certain way if they want offense because that takes away Tennessee's chances at going for anyone but a quarterback if that's who gets traded. And I'm not saying Tennessee is going to be the one, but they are the most likely because of the rumors. But, you know, it also makes sense because the Cardinals don't really probably want to go all the way down into the teens, low teens and 20s. There are teams that could use a quarterback, but is a team like the Saints going to trade 29 and 40 and other stuff and move up to three? Maybe, but would the Cardinals want to go from 3 to 29? Yes, you get a lot of assets, but it's not worth it probably to them. So, you know, the Patriots more than likely are going to have the Cardinals uh, sliding down the board, and it's probably going to help them if they want to go offense. And with the amount of corners on this draft board that could be great, then there's a chance that the Patriots go for a corner late. So that's uh, interesting to talk about. Now, there's another prospect that has intrigued me, and this is a prospect that, in all accounts, has potential for a steal in the second round, um, as well as a uh, tie uh, to Alabama. And this has shades of um, Christian Barmore in it, because there is a very good chance that he goes in the second round, and that's Brian Branch, who is a safety um, from Alabama. So I've been looking at a lot of mock drafts and been trying to calculate where I think Brian Branch could go. And I think in a lot of cases, he's not going to go in the first round. Um, and, uh, you know, I think uh, Brian Branch uh, is not um, someone who could get drafted that high. And the Patriots could be in a situation where they end up trading up to get him in the second round. Um, I was looking at a bunch of mock drafts. Uh, the Draft Network put out one recently. Um, they don't have him going um, in the top uh, 30, uh, one or so. Um, and then you have uh, another mock draft, which is from Walter Football. They have um, him going 21, uh, which I don't know if he's going to go 21. Then there's uh, a mock draft from Phantom Sports. Um, who has uh, him not even in the top uh, of this uh, draft. He is not even in their top 30 um, at all. And 
yeah, so not happening there. Then we have uh, another one here. I'm just looking at a bunch of them. Corn's uh, uh, Cognitions, Trent Corn, um, and in this one, um, it's crazy to see how many uh, just random mock drafts come up. Uh, there's this website, mockdraftdatabase.com, that has like everything. So Brian Branch is not on their uh, list of top um, ones. Then we have a just uh, blog baby Raiders mock draft website thing. Um, and according to these guys, um, it doesn't look like they have him on their top of the list either. Um, and they have him off the board. Then we have a CBS mock draft which comes with, um, you know, a bunch of different options on the board. And they, uh, in this one, actually have him at 24 going to the Jacksonville Jaguars. So the amount of mock drafts as of recent that have been uh, really kind of uh, not putting him on the board as high as expected before, um, you know, it's crazy to, to see it. Um, there was this al.com uh mock draft where they have uh brian branch going to the patriots at 14 which that ain't happening um because he's not going that high um and then we have this uh sports not mock draft which came out um and this one has uh him in the 25th spot going to the giants so some mock drafts have him going uh a lot higher some have him going a lot lower uh, uh, there's this uh, CBS mock draft from a few days ago. Um, they have uh, Brian Branch going 28th overall to the Bengals. Sometimes I wonder how they do mock drafts and like how they choose certain players. But um, yeah, they have him going to the Bengals. So there is a chance that he ends up slipping just a little bit. And he could end up in the 30s. And the Patriots could trade like a 4th round pick and a 6th round pick. To, to get him and I think it's all dependent on how the rest of the draft kind of falls and who goes for what positions and what players are available and so if you get to 37 38 and he's still on the board I'd consider uh easily picking up the phone and saying hey what can I get to to take this guy because you do need a sort of combination safety corner guy like Devin McCourty was. Uh, he started at corner and went to safety. This guy's starting at safety. He could stay there or go to corner or kind of mix it around. And, you know, I think versatility is what the Patriots look for. And Alabama versatility uh, helps uh, a lot. Um, and so you have uh, the potential for a connection with Patriots in Alabama and Brian Branch being a second-round pick by the Patriots if they choose to move up, potentially. 